And uh, I don't know, I mean, I almost want to weep of how small we are becoming. And I know that, you know, there's a lot of people catching COVID, and maybe that's part of it. Uh, maybe it's created more fear, and if that's so, we need to definitely pray, you know, just for these people that are that are sick, as well as people that are, you know, uh, fearful. Um, but we also need to pray for the church. And I don't just mean West Side. I just mean the church as a whole. Um, this has really been a strain on us. I think in the long, uh, you know, I think eventually it's going to pan out to be a good thing for us. Because um, it's going to create in us where we're going to have to start asking, is it really worth it? You know, is this really what it's about? Is this really important? Um, and uh, and really for us to seek our, you know, our our relationship with Jesus and our relationship with each other. And, and uh, so in the long run, I think that it's going to be fine. But I do think that it's, it's time for us to start having some conversations about church. Um, and uh, have, you, have you noticed that a lot of people outside of the church don't agree with our views within the church? I mean, they, they just really struggle. They, they don't agree with our views about marriage. They don't agree with our, you know, our views about you know, abortion or any of these things. They don't agree with our view about Jesus. Um, and they don't agree with the way that we've handled this COVID thing either, uh, to be quite frank. Um, they feel like that we've been way too laxed in our approach for the most part. I'm not talking about West Side. <laughs> But I'm, I'm just talking about it as a whole, the church as a whole. Uh, too uncaring, you know, they, they don't, the people outside the church just don't feel like that the church really is caring enough, like they don't care about, you know, people and stuff. You know, I was reading this, this is from my Facebook. I have a, a good friend, I, I, I consider her a very good friend, but this is what she wrote the other day on my Facebook, I'm going to share it with you. She says, uh, do you know in the third century Christianity exploded after a plague? Not because of mask refusal or QAnon rabbit holes, but, but because Christianity showed up and cared for their alien neighbors during the plague. Like, like they actually loved them and cared about their health. It's like Christians are doing the opposite this time around with a number of people claiming Christianity dwindling. Check the Pew Research. The lovers of Christ are doubling down on wealth, power, and my freedom to not wear a mask. It's, it's beyond awkward because I know how this is landing outside of your holy huddle of friends, and it's not looking good for you. That came from somebody that used to uh, be very uh, committed to the church. Um, and I don't know exactly what happened there. It wasn't COVID, you know, that drove her away. But, but I, I have worried, I have worried, you know. I've been just observing for such a long time now. So have you. I mean, we've been in this for a long time. 
And I have, I've worried that many believers in churches, they, they, they have a stubbornness about them that they're just not wanting to let go of freedoms for the sake of the loss. Like the freedoms that we have are, are too important to us to, to let go of them or to release them to some degree uh, for the sake of trying to be a... To, to be able to speak to the lost uh, in the midst of this. Uh, and I get, I get it, I get it. I mean, I, we're afraid, I think. You know, I think the church, in the midst of this, when they were asking us to shut down, we're afraid to shut down because we're like, that would just, that would be a really bad thing and you're not gonna take that freedom away from me. I, I think when they started asking us to wear a mask, we just felt like, man, I, I'm just not that afraid of it. I got God on my side, and, you know, I, I just feel like that I don't have to do that. And so there was a freedom that we felt like we could express, and so, and so we did. And I think we were afraid that we would just lose ground politically, you know? Like, it was this side against that side, and, and if we give in to it, then we'll, we'll just lose political ground. We'll lose Christian freedoms. If they take this away, what else will they stop? And, and I think there's a lot of truth um, to that kind of idea. Um, but I worried, worry about not, what is the, this, is there anything more important than just those things? And have we lost sight of that as a church, about that as a whole? Um, Which is, which is more important? I struggle, this is what I struggle with as a, and have for some time uh, in the midst of this. But let me just ask you this. Which is more important? Do we preserve our political views and our Christian freedoms at all costs? Or is there something that we would actually say, yeah, it's, I'm willing and I think that it's important that I give up some of my political um, pursuits and even let go of some of my Christian freedoms that I have just so that I can continue to seek and to save the people who are lost and outside of Christ. Um, and, and I just think that, boy, man, this has really been a struggle for us, you know, but it's, it's caused us to really, you know, have that conversation. You know, Paul was always constantly struggling and communicating that. You know, in Scripture, he, was, he realized that there was a struggle that in the midst of, you know, people's political views and their freedoms and stuff, and, and he struggled with them himself. And, and I want to take you to a Scripture that, uh, where, he, where he was trying to help people understand how to keep the balance in the midst of this. But 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, this is what he says. He says, or 19, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. Now, if you were to read, you know, before that, and I hope you do, spend some time there today, but you would realize that this is his struggle, right? I mean, he has all, he realizes and recognizes that he has a lot of freedoms. He has, and he talks about food in that, but there's a lot more freedoms that was going on there besides just that, but he realized that, you know, 
I, I can eat this or do this or, or even go here, and I'm not doing anything against my um, relationship with God or my conscience uh, or anything like that. But his deal is, is that I'm willing to give those up, even though I can do those, just because giving them up might cause and give me an opportunity to save somebody who is lost. Like, being, saving the lost was more important than his Christian freedoms, is kind of like what he's saying here. And I just want to read through the rest of this. He says, uh, just listen to his personal conclusion on this, this whole deal. He says, to the Jews I become a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I become one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I become one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might, by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. What Paul is saying is there's something that's more important than all Christian freedoms. And that is saving the lost. I mean, like, that is, that is such my focus. I am, I am so willing to do whatever I need to do, set in whatever room and whatever arena and and rub shoulders with whoever I need to in order to convince them that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God and that they need to you know surrender to him and to be saved from their sins I'm not going to I'm not going to cling to my Christian freedom so tightly that I end up isolating myself from the loss I'm just not going to do that It might seem silly to many, and I know that I've really have lost a lot of these conversations with people. Not really lost it, just that we just have to go our separate ways and what we're going to believe. But it might be seem silly to many, but I think, you know, mask wearing and stepping away from uh, coming, you know, a worship in a building. Uh, speaks something about, speaks at least to the people outside the church. And, 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 you know, and that's just always been a concern of mine. I want to know what they think because I want to influence them. I want to try to reach them. I want to not be somebody that is constantly making it very difficult for them to look in to a relationship with Jesus. I, I want to try to be somebody that can share the beauty of Jesus and the love of Jesus. I want them to know how much he loves them um, and not be where I stand in front of the cross and I end up, you know, uh, blocking their view of this Jesus that I once needed to see myself. You know, and, and I think that it communicates. It, 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 
It has the power, anyway, to communicate the truth to lost, you know, uh, some of these Christian freedoms that we have. It can either say, I care more about my freedoms than I care about you. Or it could say, I care more about you than I care about my Christian freedoms. Um, You know, I'm proud of this church for the most part. I really am. Now, could we have done better? I think so. I could have done better, right? I mean, this, I don't know that we're perfect by any means, but I have to tell you, when I get to talk to people that are a long ways away, like in Florida, right, about what's going on in our neck of the woods, I am, I am just, I'm eager to tell them how we have handled this. Um, and uh, not that we're perfect at it, but I just feel like that we have at least tried to communicate to our community that we, we care about you, not just care about us. Um, and and uh, trying to isolate ourselves from you. We want you to know that we care about you. And I appreciate that you all have been willing to sacrifice many of your freedoms. I know that some of you would have never stepped in this building with a mask if you didn't have to. But you did because, why? Because that's what was asked of you, and that's what the leaders, you know, wanted us to do, and, and things that sort, and so you did. And I just, I, I appreciate that so much. You will never know how much I appreciate it. You know, just that attitude uh, that you're willing to sacrifice freedoms just for the opportunity maybe to give people a good impression. Um, being the church is hard because it's constantly asking us. The church, actually, it's, it's Jesus that is asking us, right? Because he's the one who is asking the church. Being the church is hard because we are constantly being asked by Jesus to, to not make it about ourselves, but about the interests of others. That's what we looked into Philippians chapter 2. You can go back there. But that's what he's telling us. Be like, have the same mind as that of Christ who gave himself up, right? And he says, don't only look at your own interests, but look at the interests of others. That's what that scripture is talking about. And and, and, that, and that is hard to do. It is hard to relinquish something that we want for ourselves and we want to cling to just so that it pacifies somebody else. Um, but the reason we do, according to Paul, is, is uh, just so we might have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. But now it's time... I think, church, to uh, be reminded of how important the body of Christ is to a dying world. You know, for us to really understand and refocus and, and see why we exist in the first place. Um, we, can, we have to make sure that this COVID thing doesn't create another virus within the church that ends up isolating and separating ourselves from each other or to even separate us from, you know, our mission as, as a whole. We have to continue to carry on the mission that Jesus has given us. And it's not, his, his mission isn't 
to enjoy our Christian freedoms. His mission is to seek and to save the lost. That's his mission for us. And for us not to let COVID change that. We, we must not let it become an excuse uh, in any way for us to continue to be the church that we were called to be. To substitute the mission for the pursuit of political views. To substitute the mission, which is the seeking to save the lives, for um, um, just, just the not wanting to lose any Christian freedoms that we have. You know, most of the time when Paul was talking, where was he talking from? The prison. Because he was giving up his Christian freedoms all the time. Because his view was not to try to always keep his Christian freedoms. His, his view was to try to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. And for us to... Make sure we understand that too. So we're going to refocus a little bit here and just try to remember what the purpose of the church is. And so today, what I want to do is to start this off is today I want us to be reminded of how God views his church. And that's the first thing we need to really understand is it's his church. We we belong to him, right? Um, And so therefore, what is his perspective of the church how does he see the church? I think it's important for us to start there. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 5 for our main text today. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. And this might seem a little odd to uh, some of you that we go here to find out what, what, how he views the church. But uh, uh, look at verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he might be holy with and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, just as Christ does the church." Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now, the very first thing I want you to see here of how God views the church is this. He he is invested in her. I mean, God is so invested in the church. This reference here over, over and over, it says that the church, he talks as the church is his, right? That he being the head, that she should submit to him. And this isn't a sexist comment. What this is, is 
It's just trying to help us understand how invested God is in the church. It illustrates God's relationship with the church. The church is seen in the New Testament as the bride of Christ, right? We're the bride. And all this indicates how invested God is in the church. He is super committed. He is all in. And in it, relationships, you, it requires this kind of level of commitment. I mean, in a relationship, you have to be fully in if it's going to withstand the long haul of all the things that go on in life. If you're not fully in, then all it takes is a really big storm in your life, and then you are out of that relationship. And so you have to be completely committed, completely in. And God was, is, and always will be invested in the church. And therefore, no amount of pressure, no amount of storms, no amount of chaos will ever separate his love from the church. This is why, you know, in relationships, we understand this. That's why when you get married and you stand up here on the stage and you're facing the one that you are about to be invested in, you start saying things, you know, these statements of commitment. You say, for better, for worse, richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Why? Because you don't know how this is going to work out. You don't know what tomorrow holds. It could hold riches, but it could also hold a lot of poverty, right? It could, it could be all good help for many, many years, or it could be something where somebody gets super, super sick or even is in a car wreck or anything, you don't know. And so you have to, if this relationship is going to stand the test of time, then, then we have to be truly invested in one another. And so we say these vows because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And we just have to know that we are invested. Being fully invested in a relationship is absolutely vital to its survival, Right? You know, some people are threatening to leave the country if Biden doesn't win. You've, you've heard this. People like uh, John Stewart, uh, Leon uh, Durham, Rosie McDonald, Whoopi Goldberg, Cher, Miley Cyrus, Cyrus, Samuel L. Jackson, Al Sharpton, they all have said that if, if uh, Trump wins, they are out of here. They've already got a place picked out. And I also heard a lot of people said, we will help you pack, right? What about you? I mean, what's, what, what, if, what if the op, I mean, what if whoever you are not supporting wins? Would you not feel the same? And I just bring that up because that's just an illustration of people that are not invested, right? Because if you're invested, no matter what kind of storm, no matter what situation, that's not going to change your commitment to this. And so if you're committed to the living in the United States and having all the freedoms of the United States, then it doesn't matter who ends up becoming the president. I'm still going to be here. I might not like it, but I'm still going to be here. I'm going to weather the storm. But the reason I bring that up is just for this, because there's a more important thing, more important pressing that I really want to have a conversation with you about, and that is this. Are you fully invested in Jesus? Are you fully invested in Jesus? I mean, aren't you glad that Jesus didn't run after the Garden of Gethsemane when he 
was sitting there contemplating. I mean, Father, I'm out of here. I, I mean, I have done everything I could do to show them how much I love them and care for them. And they just want to, you know, beat me and torture me and hang me on a tree. But he stuck it out because he was that invested, right? And that, that's the only way you, those kinds of relationships survive. The truth is, invested relationships overlap too, don't they? I mean, you can't, it's, it's like there's so many of these relationships, you can't just be invested in some and not in others. And to think that that doesn't affect them all. Like, like for instance, if you are, you know, you get up and you, on stage and you, you make those vows, better for us, richer for us, sickness and health, and then you have kids, and, but then, you know, you lose your investment in that person that you made those vows to, and then you end up going your separate ways, well, because you didn't stay invested, it's going to affect those other relationships too. It's not that you lose your love for your kids, but you can't be invested as much as you would want to be because you weren't invested in the first one. And it just has, whether we like it or not, it just has this effect on us. Jesus and the church. Jesus says that the church is his bride. And if I can't help but think that if we lose investment within the church, it's going to affect our investment in Jesus and vice versa. And so I ask you, church, are you invested in Jesus? God knows this better than anyone. That's why he writes about this in his word. He knows that being invested in him supports, being invested in him supports and continues to support the longevity of our relationship as with the church. And, and this is why he says in 1 Timothy 3, 5, he says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Because he just knows how this works. If you're not invested at home with your family, it's going to affect your investment in the church. And this is just the way relationships end up working. He also says a few verses down from that in verse 15, he says, If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. You will know, if I'm delayed, if I don't get there on time, you will know how to conduct yourself in the church. You know, not only do we know, I mean, we do know, right? We know how to conduct ourselves in the household of God, what's right and wrong and what we should do and the attitudes we should have towards each other and people outside the church and, and all of these things, we know. But guess what? They know that too. That, that, that's just, I don't know how they know that, but the people outside the church know how the people in the church are supposed to conduct themselves. Maybe they were in the church at one time. I don't know. Maybe the Holy Spirit lets, conveys to them more truth than we realize. But they know how we should act. They know what our mission is. 
And they know that when we refuse to give up our freedoms, what we are actually conveying, that our freedoms are more important to us than them. He is invested in his relationship with you. And I don't want you to ever question that. He is in it for the long haul with you. Jesus is. God is. And all you have to do is read through his word and just see over and over these vows that he has made to you, right? And how he has just continued to fulfill those, the action behind those, that he has just saw it through, and that he continues to. And he went to the cross for you because he is so invested in you. Are you invested in him? It's an important question. How does your investment in his church speak into your investment into him? What does it say? You know, he has stated that he is the head of the church. And we know that the church isn't a building. We know that it is people, right? So he's the head of you. Is he the head of you? Are you his bride that the scriptures speak of? You know, Paul paints a picture of the church. He says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, for just, verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And he paints this picture that Jesus is the head and his body, which is the church, is like all the other members of the body. Some are fingers and, and arms and toes and eyes and nose and ears and, you know, just everything that makes up a body. So we as a church make up the body of Christ, which he is the head of. And so he paints this picture just like what Christ is kind of doing here in Ephesians as well. Verse 22, he says this, and we know this too, right? I mean, I want all of my fingers. Not that I couldn't operate without some of them. Not that I couldn't operate actually without all of them. But I want them all. Because I'm just better, even as clumsy as I am, I'm better with ten than I would be with nine or six or two. Right? And he says this in verse 22, he says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Church, do you realize that you are indispensable? And it doesn't matter what part of the body you play. Whether it's one of honor, you know, that gets a lot of show, or one that is, doesn't have as much honor and is just kind of in the background, his conclusion there is that you're all indispensable. You operate better as all together. We're stronger together is what we're naming this little series. And it's true. We are. We are only as effective as we are to continue to participate. 
when somebody drops out and somebody just decides, you know, I'm just kind of done for a bit, maybe for a long bit, maybe forever, I don't know. You, you just crippled the church in some way. Maybe they will continue to be able to be able to perform, but you, you just hindered them. You really did. And I just think, you know, we need to really understand that. I got two more um, points, and we're out of time, and I am not going to put you through that, okay? Um, so I'm going to have to wrap this up, but, and then we'll just come back here next week. But God is, I just want, let's just think about this for a minute. God is invested in you. And how does he show that? He shows it by the way, by what we're fixing to do here, and that is to partake of communion together. He, he completely was fully all in on this relationship with you. He's the one who sanctified you according to our scripture that we're in, made you holy, purifying you. It's all his doing. He's the one who created you. You're the church. Because a whole bunch of you coming together ends up becoming a body. And he has given you a mission. And and that is to seek and to save the lost. And the only way that you will stay focused on that mission is if you, in turn, are invested in him. Because these relationships overlap. And by continuing to be invested in him, you, you continue to be invested in the church. And you continue to realize that we have a great calling and a purpose. And that is to seek and to save the lost and try to bring other people in here. Our great calling is not... Who wins the election? That's important, but that's not our calling. Our great calling is not what country we live in. That's important. I'm glad I live where I live. But that's not our calling. And it's not, you know, worshiping in a building is not our calling. Can you imagine Paul sitting in prison and he's, he's just thinking, man, I, I, I'm This is such a sacrifice, but I know this sacrifice will pay off. One day there will be a promised land called the USA. God has given me this vision. And one day they are going to have freedoms. They're going to be able to come together in a building and not have to hide anymore. And not ever have to be in a place that they're going to have so much freedoms. And I hope they just, when they have that, that they cling to that and fight to that. Because that's that's what it's all about right there is just getting to that USA. That's not right, is it? He saw that the whole purpose was just to save another. And if I have to become weak to save the weak, I will become weak. If I have to become a Jew to save a Jew, I will become a Jew. If I have to become like a non-Christian to save a non-Christian and rub shoulders with them, I will do so. 
But my whole objective is to just save another with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And church, we can't lose that focus. We've got to make sure that we are invested in Jesus, invested in his church, invested in his mission. And so let that be our focus as we come around this table today and we just remember how invested he was in what he has created and for what purpose he created it. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. This day of just remembering, Father, what our purpose as your bride, as your body is. Father, we would not even be here. Paul would not even have been where he was without you fulfilling um, your uh, purpose. And so we are only here by your grace and by your love. And we know, Father, that uh, there are people in our community and people that we can affect with this love, with this grace. But we have to be wise and we have to be smart and we have to be uh, just constantly be about trying to accomplish that or we will lose opportunities. So, Father, help us to be your church, to be about your business and not ours. Help us to, Father, not, not let all that has happened in our world with this COVID craziness detach us from this mission and detach us from each other and divide us in any way. Help us to become strong, Father. Strong in our devotion to you, strong in our mission for the church, your mission strong in our devotion to one another. So, Father, as we come around this table and we remember what Jesus has done, the blood that he has shed, the, the body that he has given up on our behalf so that we could be completely sanctified from within. We just love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.